To all of our fellow students, teachers, and our listeners, we welcome you to our podcast entitled Too Long or Too Long. The podcast's name is a wordplay between the Filipino word too long, which is to help, and too long to signify the length or period of time. From our perspective, it has been too long since the coronavirus pandemic has started, which has brought several adverse effects to both our learners and to our educators. Too long since the educational sector needs help to implement distance learning in the best way possible. Hello everybody, welcome to the second episode of the Too Long or Too Long podcast, an educational podcast on online learning during the pandemic. My name is Martina and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Pinky and Luis. Today our guest is a college professor at the Ateneo de Manila University, Sir Paolo Hosson. So Pinky, how are you today and are you excited about today's guest? Hello Martina and today I'm very happy because I was able to submit all my requirements before the weekend. And of course I'm excited about their episode today. From our podcast that Angie and I hosted with teacher Vanessa from episode one, we were really able to hear new experiences from an educator who went through online learning in the past school year. I mean, she mentioned all the difficulties that her and her fellow teachers had to endure just to provide to their students. And I think that it's really admirable how they still continue to serve the students and not just the students, but also they help the families, they help each other just to provide quality education to their students and to address everyone's concerns. And for today, I'm also so sure that we will be able to again hear new insights from our guest, Sir Hosson. That's right, Pinky. I hope that Sir Hosson's perspectives will allow us to get a better understanding of our setting now. Well, Martina, how do you feel today? And Pinky started the previous episode by sharing their experiences with online learning. I want to ask you to share one good experience that you've had for today. Well, actually, today I was able to take a break from doing my modules. I was also able to clean my room, bake some cookies, and be productive while resting from the modules that I needed to submit. Oh, that's good to hear, Martina. I'm glad you're able to relax and take a break from your schoolwork and modules. And with that, may you please ask your guest to introduce himself? Good evening, Sir Hassan. Before anything else, I'd like to say thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. For the benefit of the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, uh, good evening. My name is Paolo Hassan, and I'm a professor at the Ateneo de Manila University. So I teach biology and I specialize in environmental biology. So I uh, finished my undergrad and master's degree in biology, also in Ateneo, and I'm currently doing my PhD dissertation. So, Sir Hassan, how are you today? Did you have classes with your students before we started this interview? Uh, yes, I had classes earlier this afternoon, and it's so tiring. <laughs> That's true. I mean, all of us get so tired with their online classes, and with that, why don't we discuss some details and some of your personal experiences with how you've handled your difficulties with online learning. Martina, please ask your first question to our speaker for today. We are very excited to have you here. As you are aware, this podcast is about giving our listeners a better understanding of what it's like to be a student or a teacher in the time of the coronavirus pandemic. With that, I'd like to start by asking you about your overall experience as a private school teacher with distance learning and how it's affected the way you conduct your classes. Well, 
so far I haven't really encountered any difficulties regarding um, teaching online. I think the biggest problem I've been facing on a well a pretty regular basis is the unstable internet connection because that happens a lot that even if even if you have a good connection you can't really predict how your internet provider is going to be you know conducting their services so I, I think that's the biggest hurdle but aside from that I, it's 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 been okay i guess i mean it's it's a bit harder than no not a bit it's a lot harder than teaching face to face but then again, we really have no choice but to do it, so we have to make do. Aside from that, Sir Hosson, would you like to share any interesting instances or moments that you've had with your online classes? Interesting. Uh, well, nothing. In honestly, nothing interesting has been happening because there's minimal there's minimal interaction that happens eh, during online classes. Not like. Not like in face-to-face, -face, right? you get to, you know, you get to see your students, you get to ask how they are, you actually see what's happening to them. But with online classes, I don't require them to turn on their cameras. That's very true, Paul. Also, Paul, it also becomes harder to focus when you're not in the classrooms and you have so many distractions around you. I mean, it's un unavoidable when your neighbors or your dogs are being so noisy, but it's one thing that we need to adjust to to for our situation now. And also, Sir Hassan, you mentioned that the lack of physical interaction makes the online setting different from what we became used to. With that being said, what can you suggest for you or your fellow teachers to do to make sure that they are still able to absorb and learn the lessons well? Well, I mean, trying to make the lessons more interesting is pretty much a given already, right? But the main advice I can give is to, to fellow teachers is that we really have to understand that some students are visual learners and some are auditory learners. So yeah, we, mm -hmm. we all have different learning styles. And I really think that it's up to the teacher to help make the lessons more, you know, more suitable for every type of learning style that the students may have within a certain class. Actually, in LaSalle, we use games like Kahoot, um, and our professors also use a website at the start of the meeting where we can update and tell each other about our day. And for me, it's really useful because since we don't see each other face-to-face, -face, at least there's still a way for us to know that someone's behind the screen and that they are still listening. There's still a connection. And even with the difficulties, we also just want to ask, what keeps you inspired to continue teaching even though the setting now is much more different than what we were used to? Well... The main thing that keeps me teaching is that I like the subject itself because I like teaching the subject. But what I realized, kasi, like for example, uh, what happened earlier was one of my students stayed behind after our synchronous session and uh, she just wanted to talk, talk about her future career paths, talk about the lesson. So yeah, it, it also helps to get reminded that there are people behind the screen. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nice to have even just a little bit of personal interaction that's not academic in nature. It's also true, Paul. I mean, it's still good that there's a way for the students to communicate with both their professors and classmates about how they're doing, and even for advice like what you've mentioned. And moving on, with the changes that we've had in the past year, I'm sure that there are a lot of new adjustments that you had to get used to. With these, we've also seen several posts on social media showing Ateneo providing flash drives for some of their students. 
Aside from these, what are some other strengths of the educational aids provided by your school? Well, I don't think it's the it's with the educational aids per se, but I think it's how the administration's handling the student concerns. Because if I remember correctly, um, that instance about Atene providing flash drives was because of a student reaching out because the student uh, didn't have a stable connection, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I think the biggest strength here is not about the educational aid, but rather how, you know, like what I said, uh, it's based on how the administration handles these kinds of cases. It's nice to see how Ateneo really cares about their students. Yeah, but I don't know. For me, sometimes, I mean, there's that. Okay, there's that. But there's also some instances where I noticed it's not the administration's fault, but in some instances, I noticed that I think some of the students got kind of used to being babied. So they're expecting a little too much leeway regarding requirements. So yeah, that's been my primary concern along with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, caring for students, but there's such a thing naman as overdoing it. I don't think naman Ateneo or Lasal, for that matter, is overdoing it. It's more of it's it's more of the mindset that's been ingrained in students because they've been doing this for the past year now, right? Actually, I think I would have to agree with that. There are some moments when some become too comfortable with the mode of learning now. So I think that there's still a need for a balance between addressing their concerns and still being able to normally conduct the classes. Moving on to our next question. Although your college has provided for their students, what are the limitations and the educational aids provided by your school? It could be regarding technical limitations or their access to the educational aids. Well, with online learning, you have, you're always operating under the assumption that your students have proper access to your learning material, right? And I'm sure it's also the same in La Salle, but in Ateneo, a large chunk of our population is made up of students that aren't that well off, that don't really have constant access to electronics or a stable internet connection. Right. So, yeah, I, I think I talked to some professors in La Salle about that then. And I think the situation's the same in DLSU. So, yeah, since you're operating under the assumption that everyone has proper access to your learning materials, then uh, it's, it's kind of like there's always a certain portion say, of the population that won't be able to keep up if you keep that kind of mindset lang in for it. For it if you keep that kind of assumption, right? So you have to make sure that, you know, all, all of the students are accounted for. So personally, like, well, what's been recommended to me before I started teaching online uh, was that, you know, I, I always have to personally ask the students if they really have proper access to the materials and tell them not to be you know, ashamed or shy of saying, shy about saying, uh, you know, they can't access the materials properly either because they have old devices or, you know, unstable connections and stuff like that mostly. Okay. Even though the students and learners experience these issues, it's also good that their concerns are being addressed. And for our next question, being a professor in a private and respectable institution such as the Ateneo, 
What are the notable differences that you've seen between public and private schools and the quality of education being provided during the pandemic? Well, I'm not really in the position to talk about the quality of education in public schools, right? Because so far I've only witnessed uh, stuff from my perspective, which is from a private school. But from what I've seen in social media posts, kasi, I think one of the biggest problems here is yun nga eh, uh, lack of lack of access. Because you know, not not naman everyone can afford devices or afford a very stable internet connection. So that's the biggest hurdle here. In terms of in terms of the quality of education, man, I mean, I have trust in our public school teachers. They work hard. They're very good at what they do. So I don't think there's a question there that quality is low. No, I don't think quality is low. It's really the method by which the teaching materials are being transmitted to the students. That's the biggest concern here. It's not the quality. I agree with you on that. I don't. I don't also don't think that the problem is quality of education but like you said the problem is not everyone has access to the same resources as everyone else so these uh children in public schools are less likely to be able to attend classes because they don't have gadgets and such moving on to the next question how aware are you of the local government's response to the pandemic in terms of distance learning and what steps have you been ta- have been taken that you are aware of Okay, as far as I know, well, from the posts that I've seen, I think QC has been providing devices and subsidies for internet connections to schools in Quezon City. But as for if they are doing that for Ateneo, I'm not too sure because personally, I did not witness anything. But I think that's okay because uh, Ateneo, like Lesal, I mean, we can fend for ourselves. We have enough funds for that. So I think it's just right that they should focus their efforts on public schools because most private schools don't need help. So I, I agree with you on that. I don't think um, private schools really have a problem with that. It's more on so public schools. And in your personal opinion, how do you think the response of your local government to the pandemic has affected the quality of education in your area in Quezon City? Well, uh, like what I said earlier, I can only speak from my uh, my perspective, and for the private schools, like ours, uh, we just fended for ours uh, for ourselves, right? But from what I've seen in online posts and in social media, I think QC was uh, adequately able, to hand out devices and internet connections to public schools, so. Again, from what I've seen, that's good, right? But I don't actually know if what they did was enough because that's not for me to say. Thank you for that, Sir Hassan. On that note, it's also hard to see the quality of education if we simply base it on our own perspectives wherein we can only speak for ourselves and not for the other people who are also going through online classes. But with how the local government addressed it, I also agree on how you said that we can't really be sure if what they've provided for their teachers and for their learners are enough for them to have their online classes or for them to be able to answer their modules. And moving on to our next question, we have actually been in this situation for quite a while, but for us students and teachers, the online setting is still relatively new. 
With this, we would like to know what kind of advice can you give to your students in terms of coping with the online setting? Well, this is always what I tell my students. Eh. Um, requirements are important, your grades are important, but you know, with what's happening today, it's more important for students to get rest, honestly, because uh, I see a lot of students like not sleeping anymore because they're getting so stressed with schoolwork, which isn't really good. Like keeping yourself as stress-free as possible and keeping yourself as healthy as you can. I agree with you that. I, I think that if uh, the students were to get accustomed to the online setting, they really need to learn how to manage their time and try to cope with it and try to de-stress and relax and take care of their health. Personally, how do you handle the students that can't currently fulfill requirements due to complications? Well, um, I always tell them to reach out if they're having trouble. But like, for example, if they can't, uh, if they can't say take a quiz or submit a specific requirement, I, I always tell them to tell me beforehand, and I always tell them to be honest, siempre. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the best way you really. have to communicate with them properly. And, and it's mostly going to be based on honesty, though, and trust, because uh, you just have to, on the teachers, from the teacher's perspective, siempre, you just have to trust that your students telling the truth and not just making excuses right, to get an extension. But that's the world we're living in now. So, you know, really have to, you really have to be a bit more patient in terms of these uh, concerns. That's true. So, Yasun, I believe that it's also important for educators to understand the situations of their students. I agree with you that, that we can't really understand if the students are telling the truth, but we have to trust them because it's for the students best. With these, would you like to share some benefits that come along with conducting online learning? Well, I think the biggest advantage that students get here is that, you know, since everything is recorded, they can all, always come back to the lectures anytime they want. Because, for example, like, uh, if, if everything was done face-to-face, -face, for example, you're studying for an exam and you, you forgot a few concepts and you want to revisit the lecture, but you can't really do that, right? For face-to-face -face classes, since all you have, uh, you have your notes, but at least with online learning, if everything's recorded, you can always revisit the videos, you can revisit audio recordings, then that's, that's already a really big advantage, right? I think that's the biggest one though. I agree with you, Sir Hassan. Speaking as a student, that's been one of the more helpful things with having a tool like Canvas to be able to have all the readings, all the PowerPoints available and not having to ask the professor to send them and to be able to look back on the lectures. And if you misunderstood what the prof said, you can just play it back. I think that's been the best part of online learning. Also, from my experience, there would be times when I would get disconnected from some of my classes because of my unstable internet connection, which we can't avoid. But even though this happens, at least for us, there's an alternative solution, which is to listen and view the recordings again. And I think that this is one good benefit or advantage that we get from having our online classes.
However, we also cannot deny that there are limitations to this adjustment. From these, what are the downsides or negative impacts of online learning that both the students and teachers are experiencing? Well, okay, from the teacher's perspective first, uh, it's tough to record lectures. Because, for example, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how you guys do it within the LSU, but in Ateneo, kasi, uh, we're not allowed to require our students to attend synchronous sessions. Okay? Uh, synchronous sessions are always optional. So what I personally do is, for the synchronous sessions, I just introduce the lesson, but I record the entire discussion. Uh, like I pre-record all my discussions and then just upload them after the introduction has been done. So the pre-recording thing is the toughest to do since, you know, we're, we're teachers, we're professors. We're not exactly trained to be content creators, right? So I think that's the hardest. On the side of the students, naman, I think the tough part here is time management. Because at least if you're doing face-to-face -face classes, you're given a set schedule where you just have to attend classes and sit there. And then you just review afterwards. But with this setting, kasi, like for hours, I upload the lectures after the introduction of the lecture. So it's up to the students to watch the lecture videos on their own time. So I think time management's the biggest problem here since I don't know how many lectures they have per week. But for example, for my subject, it's one lecture a week. But then again, they're also taking a lot of other subjects. Plus, teachers are uh, asking them to do papers, to do lab experiments, um, projects. So yeah, it's, it's also a lot of work. Sir Hassan, several countries are slowly implementing face-to-face -face classes again and are going back to normal while we are still implementing online classes. In comparison to those countries, how do you think this will affect the quality of education in our country? Well, I think it's more of pressure lang eh, on our side. Like, okay, we see that they're doing face-to-face -face classes already, so it's a bit more pressure for us to also do the same. But then again, I'm not sure how that in itself will affect the quality of education. Because if we're talking about the quality of education itself, I don't think we'll be affected that, that much. It's really just the pressure of, oh, we have to start face-to-face -face classes again. But it's really just that. As for the impact of the quality of education, I think it's, you know, the pandemic status quo, parin, you know, doing online classes as opposed to face-to-face. And we still can't do face-to-face. -face. We're faced with the, with the pressure, but voila, there's nothing really that we can do. I agree with you on that. It's not really realistic for us to do face-to-face -face right now, especially due to like the current stage that the pandemic is in. You know, a few months ago, the, the pandemic was the worst it's been in the country. It's not really realistic for us to enable face-to-face. So we just have to take it as it may be and just continue to do online classes. And also, Sir Haas, how has your school handled the concerns of the students with the struggles or problems they have encountered? Um, I think they've, uh, I, I think they've done pretty well in that regard. So we always have these um, Zoom meetings to uh, to discuss the concerns that students raise. And there's always, you know, active conversation between the student body and the administration. The administration 
conveys all of these to the faculty. So yeah, I think there's a there's a very good line of communication man, between everyone involved. That's actually good to see how all the members of the community, such as the faculty and the student government, are really involved with making sure that the students are okay and still coping with their online classes. Seeing as this is something that was beneficial for both the students and teachers, it would also be good for other schools to implement the same methods in order to provide for their needs and concerns. Personally, Po, we've encountered some students, our classmates, and even our friends who had to take a break or a rest from their classes. So from a teacher's point of view, have you had moments where you personally attended to your students who had to take a break or a pause from their classes because of COVID or because they really had trouble to access learning materials for their classes? If so, would you like to tell us more about how you were able to help them? Um, well, regarding not being able to access learning materials, so I totally understand that not all students have stable internet or fast internet, right? So, yeah, I, I think the what I did for that time was I gave them a I gave the student a transcript of the lecture, and you know I didn't have to do it actually because the classmates already did that. For the students for the other lessons so yeah I, I think it's really a group effort right mm -hmm. it has to come from both the teacher and the other students because come on it's a pandemic we all have to help each other yeah right um regarding yeah. COVID, naman, uh, i had a student approached me uh i think a few years ago so it was a guy he approached me and said that one of his group mates was having trouble finishing her requirements since the dad had COVID yata, if I remember correctly. So for things like that, naman, it's hard to reach out to the student if they don't reach out to me. It might be a personal matter. So you know, what's, what's hard in this case is that you have to relay the messages in between you know, the student and yourself through mm -hmm. a different person because it's a personal matter, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the best case for that scenario would be to really reach out na lang. There's not much we can do eh, from afar, talaga. So the biggest factor here would really have to be communication. And open lines of communication should be present between the teacher, the students, and students and between the students yeah. and their classmates. That's true. But I think it's really important for even their friends to help them. Since you're alone in the online classes, you don't really have anyone around you. So it's good that you still communicate with each other even if you don't see one another. Also, Paul, we'd like to ask a follow-up question and also an ending message from you. With the implementation of online learning throughout the different schools in the country, we've seen how a lot of public schools became affected by the lack of proper learning materials or a stable internet connection for the teachers and students. And also from our previous podcast, we learned how some public school teachers had to go beyond their capabilities just to give the mojos to their students. With this, what would you like to say naman po to our public school teachers who have worked so hard to still provide quality education to our students? I admire their dedication so much because, you know, it, it takes a lot to do a teaching job properly. But it's even harder to do it during the pandemic, especially mm -hmm. with the limited amount of resources that they have. So that being said, but they're going above and beyond to provide services that aren't really what they signed up for and not really required of them, but they still do it anyway. So, you know, that 
that kind of that kind of dedication is something else mm-hmm. and deserves not just admiration. They deserve to be paid better. Yeah. I agree with that, Sir Hassan. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate and admire not only our public school teachers, but all the teachers and educators during this time for their passion to continue teaching. On this note, Sir Hassan, thank you very much for guesting on our podcast. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Sir Hassan, for your insights this evening. We learned quite a bit from you. Thank you once again. Do you have any last words for our listeners or to our students? Stay home. (laughs) Stay home. (laughs) Thank you, Sir Hassan. Listeners, don't forget to stay tuned for our third and final episode of the Too Long or Too Long podcast, which comes out on May 27. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our episode today. We hope that you were able to gain new perspectives and insights from our guests and their experiences. Again, we would like to thank you and our speaker for joining us here. Meanwhile, a fundraiser drive has also been started by the team for the benefit of two public schools, namely Tondo High School, which is in Manila, and Taal High School in Bulacan. Through your donations, various school supplies such as bond papers, pencils, and envelopes will be given as they prepare for the incoming school year. For more details on how you can donate, please feel free to check our Facebook page. Thank you and stay safe always. Love, the team behind the Too Long or Too Long podcast.